What is up, everybody? Mile High Report. How are we doing? And we have a special uh, guest, Mike Gomez. <laughs> but this, hi, Mike. How's it going, fellas? Mike, as you know, well, as you may or may not know, um, uh, blogs with us at Mile High Report. He's, I would say, a statistical expert. How would you explain it, Kyle? He's Bronco Mike. Everybody knows him as Bronco Mike, not Mike Gomez. Uh, he's definitely the film room guy. Uh, also one of the stats guys. I kind of consider myself the stats guy. He can argue that point if he likes. But uh, he's definitely the film study guy. He, he digs in and breaks down film for people. If you haven't seen his work at milehighreport.com, you definitely need to check it out. You will get educated. He's really good at, at drawing arrows and uh, circles. And kind of he's much, much better at paint than I am. Microsoft <laughs> paints. It's good. So, Mike, how long have you been a, how long have you been a Broncos fan, Mike? Uh, ever since I can remember, I can't really put a finger on it. Used to watch games with my pops growing up, so that's the extent of it. That's my favorite. My favorite question to ask the Broncos fans: What's your first Broncos memory? But Mike doesn't remember anything since like a week ago. <laughs> Constantly in a perpetual <laughs> hangover. Oh, <laughs> no! I uh, my first memory is that uh, '87 uh, AFC Championship game, the football game, and no uh, I remember as a yeah, I remember as a kid, I don't remember much of the game, but I had one of those uh, Elway youth uniforms that you buy in the store with the crappy plastic helmet, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was wore one of those through the game, and I remember how we lived uh, right, right on a busy street. So I went out after the game, and traffic was full, and I was waving to people. People were honking and shouting. Everybody was excited. We were going to the Super Bowl, so that's probably my earliest memory. What was I don't know your or what was your earliest uh, memory, Kyle? I don't even know. Oh, I remember the uh, Super Bowl loss, and I don't. I think it was '89 to the 49ers. Oh, the 49ers. Oh, yeah, that was a bad yeah. one. That was bad. It, it was funny. I was growing up and uh, I liked video games as a kid because you know I was a dude, and uh, there was John Elway's quarterback, <laughs> and there was a Game Boy <laughs> game, Game Boy game called John Elway's quarterback, and I always was like. I loved that game and I played it and I brought it over to a friend's house and he was like who's John Elway <laughs> and I didn't I didn't even know anybody could not know who John Elway was <laughs> you grew up in a family full of Broncos fans you know who John Elway is this kid like he, I never spoke to him again I don't think I was so insulted <laughs> <laughs> I remember that game he didn't have a Broncos uniform he just had a blank helmet on the cover do you remember that's the probably cover? right that's probably right that sounds right <laughs> he didn't actually what was it called the Sorry, man. Was it called John Elway Quarterback Club? Something like that? Yeah. I think it was just called John Elway's Quarterback. That's what I remember. <laughs> I, just, I remember. And he, yeah, he had like a, a blank uniform and a blank helmet, and he was like, you guys can't see me right now, but I'm holding my hands exactly like John Elway was on the cover of that game. We're talking about John Elway Quarterback, Jan. Jan's not actually here. We're just pretending. We've, yeah, of course, we, miss, we miss Jan. We've, of We're course, doing this podcast over his grave, actually. We're live at the site of Jan Wang's grave. We're in the <laughs> desert somewhere. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about the uh, another yet another epic beatdown on Sunday. Uh, epic beatdown. <laughs> this this one unfortunately was uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles. Unfortunate for Philadelphia Eagles, and it's nice for you know Chip Kelly to be on the receiving end and one of those guys. That's kind of like his. You know, he's got a, a tone for all those rules he broke as a as a coach at Oregon. Yeah. Uh, the Oregon Ducks. You think, thought he graduated to another bird, but they're just losing. They're, they're like birds of prey. You would think they would be an upgrade over Ducks, but it's just not happening. So, Mike, what's your what was your big takeaway from the game? 
Uh, just how efficient the the offense was drive to drive. I mean, we had one three and out all game. Uh, I did a bunch of uh, uh, stats on the on the drive summary in, in in the last two games. In fact, we've only had one three and out. So it's just been extremely extremely touchdown touchdown drive it down score the score points. It's just insane the pace. I I made a comment on Sunday on Twitter. I couldn't have done it any better on Madden. You know, it's just ridiculous how it's going right now. There was a, a comment on Twitter that was similar to that. It said, you know, Peyton Manning in real life is greater than Peyton Manning in Madden. He really is. He's better <laughs> than, than the guy you play in the video game. Mike, you, you say we had one three and out each game. Did we have just one punt each game or those are only punts? I know the, a week ago that was the case. We only had one punt. Did we just have one punt this last week too? Uh, no, it, it wasn't that. It was just three and outs. And uh, it's, I'll pull it. I'll pull the stats up right now. Just give so, me a second. So this was like in my in my all punters fantasy football league. I made the mistake of starting Colquitt this week. It was just, I've never been. <laughs> I've never had a week, worse week of uh, fantasy punter football. I don't, I've I never don't had a worse fantasy football league than all punters <laughs> league. You can have some. You can put together some decent games. Where the enemies like the kick returner, like Trinden and Holiday is like the sworn enemy of every single person <laughs> in the league. <laughs> well, that is the case. That, that's the case literally. Trinden Holiday is the sworn enemy of every person in the league because this guy it looks like Devin Hester from a few years ago. So I know if, if Jan were alive, what he'd want us to talk about probably is Trinden Holiday. Uh, and you know maybe he would even make a comparison to uh, Devin Hester, which I don't, I don't know if that's a fair comparison. I don't know if it's comparable at this point. Trinidad Holiday's in a whole other league almost. Oh, well, that's comparable. When Devin Hester was in his prime, he was probably even a little better than Trinidad. Um, I bet well. statistics-wise, if you look at the last, like, do put their best 16 or their last, you know, Devin Hester's best 16 game span and, and Trinidad Holiday's best 16 game span. You, you do have a point. He's returned four for touchdowns in the last five games going back yeah. to the playoff game a year ago. Uh-huh. So if you include that game and go to the last four games, he's at two this year already. A punt and a kickoff return each. And he had a punt and kickoff return in that playoff game. He has two each. That's in a, a five-game span. He's he's averaging .8 touchdowns a game I can't, as a returner. I can't remember who said it. Someone said it. Um, the best way to keep Peyton Manning off the field is Trinden Holiday. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of damned if you do and, and effed if you don't on that one. That's kind of true, actually. That Philadelphia Eagles game, the defense got tired. You could see it. Yeah. Uh, they let the Eagles kind of go down a long marching drive down the field, and then Trinden Holiday gets the ball, and he returns it for a touchdown. And then the Eagles got the ball again, and they did another long drive and just tired out the Broncos' defense. Uh, they only settled for field goals, and, you know, they brought field goals to a touchdown fight when you play against the Broncos, so they didn't really have a chance. But uh, it was true. Trinden Holiday was a little bit of our, our own worst enemy almost by scoring so quickly, tired out everybody on defense. The other, yeah, the the other the, sorry, go ahead, Mike. Sorry, guys. The Eagles ran after that because of that punt return. They ended up running like 26 straight plays on offense, which is just insane. I mean, the, the, the Broncos had all of like one possession there in the first quarter because of it. The the other one real takeaway, well, if we want to stand Trinidad Holiday for one second, is that he is undefeated in the regular season, which is another thing that Jan would probably want to point out if he were, in fact, alive. Yeah, but he's winless in the playoffs, so who gives a <laughs> flip? 
heard. I actually pointed it out the other day on uh, John's uh, fan shot, and somebody called me out for it. They didn't like me uh, pouring or peeing in their cereal, as they put it, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> peeing in your blue and orange cereal? Sorry for telling the right. truth there, guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so anything else? I mean, the Broncos are just establishing record after record. They're, they're breaking – Broncos are on – on pace or are currently breaking records that have were set in the fifties and the sixties, which is just, I, I don't know what to, how to, how to judge that. <laughs> like they set franchise records. I mean, they've broken Broncos franchise records of this season. They're Peyton Manning is on the verge of doing, breaking another one. And that is consecutive attempts without an, in, an interception. That record is held by Jake Plummer right now, but he passed John Elway for number two that list and he's a game away without an interception for breaking that one too it's just every week week in and week out what records did Peyton Manning and the Broncos break this week you just it's not even a matter of if he'll break records it's a matter of what records he'll break well I know and Mike you kind of you kind of touched on it last week is that the Broncos are on pace right now to have three or four thousand yard um, receivers Oh, it was as of last week. It was four. I think it's still pretty darn close, even with a little bit of drop off with uh, Julius Thomas's yards this year or this last week against the Eagles. But they're definitely on a pace. All four of them still, and they're still all four on pace for uh, 100 reception years through four receivers, which is just crazy. That is crazy. Julius Thomas has dipped down a little bit. He's like 230 something yards, so he's like a dozen yards shy of being on pace for a thousand. Um, and the other three guys, the, the new three amigos, as I like to call them, they are on pace for a thousand yard seasons each. It's pretty remarkable. So the Broncos, uh, I guess the, the other main record, which probably everyone is aware of at this point, is the Broncos set a franchise record for most points scored in a game at 52, which I found a little odd that the Broncos, I mean, I don't know, I got called out on Twitter for mentioning it, but I thought it was a little odd that the Broncos have never scored 52 points in their history. I um, did too. <laughs> but I guess the the, all, the all-time record um, for for most points in a game period was by is was 72. I think that was by the Giants in like 1929 or something. They played the I believe like the Washington Redskins. But 72 points is, is are 72 points possible? Is that is that? <laughs> Mike, go <No>. for it. <laughs> I, I, it's not possible because before we even get to that point, they're gonna pull Peyton Manning. They'll stick Brock in there, and Brock's gonna hand it off twice and maybe throw a pass and. You know, maybe get a field goal or two. So it, we're not going to score 70. That would be – it would take a miracle of epic proportions, I think, to get to that 70 mark. <laughs> well, we don't but, – But Mile High Report believes in La La Land. It is a, <laughs> a, common, it is a common staple. We, we have these banners, the La La Land, I'm in La La Land. Follow me here for a minute. Just, just take a quick little, um, you know, fantasy ride with me just for a second. And imagine if the Broncos keep scoring 40 to 50 points a game. They're averaging 44 right now. In the fourth quarter, Brock Osweiler is actually going to get a lot of practice. He's actually going to get pretty good. And maybe late in the season when they play, uh, I don't know who. Houston? uh, Somebody. somebody. It'll be a high-scoring game. That's a great one, actually. Houston would be a high-scoring game. And if the Broncos are still in it and need that win – you could you could see Peyton Manning putting up a fifty burger and then benching him and Brock Osweiler coming in and being like, Oh, I got this. This is easy. I know how to do this now because I've practiced it eight other games this year. <laughs> La La Land. 
points. Not getting two points. I think you get you get. I mean, it's not that difficult. Fifty-two points is you're twenty-two. You're twenty points away from the all-time record. That's one more defensive touchdown, one more special teams touchdown, and then a Brock Osweiler like I'm in the entire fourth quarter. You're really not going to let me score a touchdown. Touchdown. And uh, I don't know. It's possible. It's possible, but it's not. <laughs> I'm just being totally facetious and tongue-in-cheek. It's not really that possible. Uh, it just really isn't. If we ever got into the 60s range, even then Brock Osweiler's like, uh, why don't you guys put in somebody else to be quarterback? Put in Mitch right. Ryan. He, do, he does everything. He can, he can play quarterback now. I, you know, right. I think even in the Patriots run when they were just – pedal to the metal tom brady played till the final second you know 2007 or whatever i think the highest they ever got was 59 points and that was against tennessee so you know if the pats running up to score can't put 60 i don't see us putting 70 on anybody yeah that's true so let's talk about let's talk about some of these kind of uh i guess more troublesome than than uh setting records is the fact that um the USC head coaching position is available, and at the top of the short list for the USC position is um, Jack Del Rio, the Broncos' own defensive coordinator. I, I'm just glad that the Broncos got to keep Jack Del Rio for two years. I mean, let's let's be honest. The Broncos had, what was it, seven, eight, nine straight years? I've written the article like every year for four years, and I can't remember what the number is anymore. But they always have an in-and-out defensive coordinator in one year, out the next um, whether because they got fired or because they got hired or because Josh McDaniels and Mike Nolan couldn't freaking share a building. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> uh, we got Jack Del Rio for two years. Um, I didn't really expect him to stick around for a third year. Even if it wasn't the USC job, after this, he was due for an NFL head coaching job. I, I think realistically I had no expectations of Jack Del Rio sticking around for 2014. So I'm not surprised that he's the front runner for USC. I wouldn't be surprised if he left for USC. I know he loves that school. He loves that program. So uh, I don't. I don't really have any concern with it as long as he finishes this year, which reports are he will. Yeah, I don't think. He, I, I mean, people talk about his contract. I don't think he's staying for his contract. I think he's staying because he made a commitment. But um, I, I don't know. I don't know that he'll end up in USC necessarily. It's kind of. I think this at this point he's just kind of taking the meeting. I don't know that he wants to deal with boosters and. And, you know, the, the USC is kind of in shambles as a program. They're not, you know, they're just coming out of the suspensions and things like that. And he's going to have NFL jobs. You know, I don't know how many NFL jobs there's going to be by the end of the season, but he's got like Tampa Bay will probably be available. New York Jets might be available. And there's just the, the possibilities are are endless. And there, there'll be at least, you know, four or five opportunities for Jack Del Rio. And he's going to be at the top of everybody's list, I would assume. Oh, for sure. I mean, I with the uh – even if he doesn't take USC, there's going to be plenty of NFL opportunities. And, you know, I think looking at what he's done so far without Champ Bailey, without Von Miller, without Elvis Dumerville, I mean, this guy can coach and he has this defense playing really well, despite all those holes with those blue chip players. So, I mean, there's some team out there that's going to give him some sort of look. And, you know, being a head coach is uh, a heck of a lot higher rung on the ladder than playing defensive coordinator. So he's well, you, gone, I think. You brought up uh, Von Miller and Elvis Dumerville, and that's something that I've kind of thought of um, just recently. Do you guys remember when um, when we first found out about Von Miller's suspension, John Elway was asked, like, how? when did you guys know about this? Uh, when was it that you knew? Was it before or after you got rid of Elvis Dumerville? And, 
And Elway kind of hesitated for a minute. He's like, oh, it was definitely after. We definitely found out about Vaughn after, you know, the whole Elvis Dumerville saga had, had ended. But in reality, I don't know that that's the truth because you know that a guy dropped his urine in the locker room. That That's not something that keeps secret. And you know that a guy probably produced – you know, uh, the way that they judge a diluted sample is, is, is the color of the urine. If the color of the urine is clear, that's a diluted sample. It's another op- pretty obvious one. So I don't know that the team wasn't completely aware that Von Miller probably was going to get some type of slap on the wrist at least. But I don't let me let, let me counter that. I, I don't see where you're going as far as I don't think it happened in the locker room because it couldn't have. Players aren't allowed in team facilities in the month of March. And that's when the Broncos got rid of Elvis Dumerville. They failed to resign him in early April. So there, the OTAs really kick off in May and things like that. So Von Miller wasn't around the team facilities. He had to go and take his test wherever he goes to take his tests. I don't know where that is for sure. Um, it's what, what happened with his original test is that he, he spilled his sample, went out to practice, came back in and produced a, a diluted urine sample. So it was sometime during practice that this happened, whether it was in December, January. Um, I, I don't think it would have been a mini camp, but uh, – and I don't think – He's having practice when he's not as part of the Broncos. I don't know what the ultimate goal was here, but I'm just kind of using this to, to, as a stepping stone to, to kind of uh, piggyback on the statement that Jack Del Rio is a pretty incredible coach. Um, but it might be, you know, just as much John Fox as well. The Broncos didn't have a bad defense under Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen got a head coaching job out of it. But, you know, if, if, if the Broncos had known about Von Miller being suspended, should they have tried harder to keep up with Dumerville? This is a question I ask to Mike. If they, if they knew Von Miller was suspended, should they have pursued Elvis Dumerville more heavily? I think they would have, and you know, I think all indications where that thing was going to get sewed up, they just, you know, doom. I really have my theories about that. I think to his agent orchestrated that whole thing. I mean, I don't know how you can uh, drop the ball on a contract like that right up against the deadline. So I, you know, I think they would have done whatever they could have i think the von miller thing i think they were truthful in that i think this happened you know like you said maybe it may maybe an ota or whatever it may be all right uh we're gonna take a break real quick and we'll come back in just a few minutes we got uh a couple we got a lot of actually coming up for us uh especially the dallas cowboys preview so join us in just a few seconds how about them broncos evening and I broadcasted onto Twitter and I got kind of mixed feedback, predominantly uh, negative. But I was saying, let's say, for example, um, Gary Kubiak is fired at the end of the season. Gary Kubiak, of course, not just the head coach of the Houston, Texas, but the famed 
offensive coordinator of the Denver Broncos Super Bowl seasons and, um, you know, continue to, to continue with the Broncos after uh, the Super Bowl seasons. He, he coached Brian Greasy, he coached a little bit, uh, Jake Plummer, even Gus Farad. Do you guys remember when we had Gus Farad on the team? <laughs> <laughs> so let's say uh, in the offseason, Gary Kubiak's available. Do you pick him up as an offensive coordinator? No, I mean – Absolutely not. I think he'd be really good with uh, Brock, a more athletic, or roll him out. I, I see Brock as a one of those quarterbacks that would excel in the roll him out, zone blocking, uh, play action type uh, Texan game, Texan offense that they run. But I mean, there was a story that came out today about Kubiak saying on Schaub's pick six Sunday that once they roll the motion, Schaub can't audible out. So I can't see. Uh, a system being brought in here that doesn't really have that flexibility for Peyton Manning. Now, that's not to say that uh, Kubiak can adapt, but I, I just don't see it as a good fit right now. I, I, I wouldn't want the Broncos to go after. I like Gase being in there as the more or less puppet offensive coordinator, and you know Peyton can do his thing for as long as he's going to be there. Yeah, I, I agree with Mike. I think the Broncos right now are setting offensive records. They're breaking franchise records. They're scoring 16 touchdowns to zero, and that's just through the air, to zero interception. You can't change this. You can't break this. There's no point. There's no need for that. Adam Gase might be a puppet offensive coordinator to Peyton Manning, but so is every other offensive coordinator to Peyton Manning, and Peyton Manning is better than ever this year. So... You have to credit Gase a little bit. He, he's letting himself be a puppet in just the right way to make Peyton Manning as good as he can be. Um, and I love Gary Kubiak. I really thought he would be the head coach to you know succeed uh, Mike Shanahan, and I always wanted him back, especially the McDaniels era. I was just begging for some way to get him back with the orange and blue. But uh, you know, the, if Kubiak were to leave, I think it'd be a mistake on the Texans' part, um, and I, I think it would be a mistake on the Broncos' part to pursue him as offensive coordinator. Yeah, I just think always kind of always bring, you know, he brings in Alex Gibbs. He's going Monte ball in the second round. He went last year. He went Ronnie Hillman in the, in the third round. He's trying to get back to that offense that, that he was at. You just don't need to do it with Peyton Manning, but you got a Brock Osweiler in there for a reason. Brock Osweiler isn't the next coming of Peyton Manning. He's more similar to what you would have if you were to draft maybe like a John Elway. You know, they, they drafted him early. They're, they're setting up, not just for, you know, Elway has that famous quote of, I'm not trying to win now. I'm trying to win from now on. So I don't know that you can let Gary Kubiak pass in this offseason without at least giving him, like, the, hey, let's get you in here for a meeting. And John Fox, John Fox is 58. Is he going to coach 10 more years? We don't know. He might, you know, win two Super Bowls and be like, I'm done. Let me ride off into the sunset. Well, well, well here, this is what I would say. Okay, bring Gary Kubiak in, talk to him. But what was his role with the Broncos with John Elway? He was backup quarterback. Let's get him in as backup executive vice president of football operations. I'd be willing to have that. <laughs> he was backup quarterback until about 90, 95, I think. And then he went over as a quarterback coach uh, for San Francisco 49ers and came back over with Mike Shanahan as the offensive coordinator. <laughs> well, it's, okay, so we mentioned, we mentioned record setting. Let's talk about um, another, I guess, uh, maybe an unintentional record that the Broncos have set right now, and that's their – their Vegas line with the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's How about that. the Denver Broncos setting records before they even play the game? I like that. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's swagger. 
So we got, uh, I think the line's 28 right now, which I think the previous line, uh, Vegas line, was 27. And I know we, we're just about to preview our uh, our coming game on Sunday, which is the Dallas Cowboys game. But, pe- you know, people are kind of making a big deal about the Jacksonville Jaguars game, which is next, you know, we're two weeks away from that game. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Is it too early? Are We, we don't know what's going to happen. No. I mean, they, they're going to come in here. They're going to get... They're going to get their asses handed to them. They're going to lose. I mean, Epic the only down. thing that <laughs> the only thing that makes this game interesting is if that uh, Jacksonville brass finally works up the balls to sign Tim Tebow and brings him in, and then you can have the whole Tebow back to Denver storyline. But you know, other than that, I mean, it's going to be a non-issue. It's going to be here at home. It's not '96. They don't have. Uh, you know, weapons and a, a even adequate quarterback like Brunel, they're not going to come in here and upset us. It's going to be a beat down and you're going to love it. Epic storyline. That would be an epic storyline. Awesome. Uh, you know, I, I want to clarify one thing. I'm not, I'm not sure it's true that they've released the line yet. I think it's like rumors. I don't think Vegas releases any lines until the week of the game because there are too many variables involving Peyton Manning potentially like breaking his leg that they don't release the lines a week ahead. But that's what the, the buzz is. The buzz is that they talk to a few sports books and they're talking about 27, 28 point uh, lines, 28 point spread, which would be the record, which would be the record. Um, it'd be a touchdown more than the Patriots record that they set in 2007 against someone they had like a 22 point spread. So it's okay. We kind of teased the um, – actually, let's talk about this real quick. So, <laughs> And yes, the Broncos would cover just for the record. Okay. <laughs> Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning's at the line. He does his, his, uh, oh, wah, and he's hurry, hurry. And someone shouts, Papa John's. <laughs> Papa John's. You, you know, that was unbelievable. And I cannot believe I, I, I read that today and I, I couldn't remember when the heck that occurred in the game. It just didn't uh, occur to me at the time. And I remember when I first clicked on the article, I said, well, was Peyton using uh, uh, the Papa John's? Because that's what I figured right <laughs> You know, he, he does all this stuff. He used Roll Montana. He uses all these, this lingo, you know. Like, is Peyton, you know, kind of poking fun at himself? But no, it's this, you know, this jerk-off uh, Fletcher Cox defensive tackle, you know, shouting out this crap. And who knows what ha- what came of that. I think Sean plowed ahead for like 10 yards. So <laughs> I have no idea what, you know, let Sean run for 10 yards. Is that what he's, he was trying to say? <laughs> that was the defensive audible. Hey, let the Broncos score this time. That explains. <laughs> That's where our six scores came from. Yeah. <laughs> well, F- Fletcher Cox didn't really have a chance. You know, I thought about it. I thought I could like dig into him and give him, you know, a lot of hell for doing that. Like, what are you going to distract Peyton Manning? Is this going to give you some kind of psychological edge? I think honestly, that Papa John shout was more like a just, oh brother. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no. Whole- <laughs> There's no pro, there's no hope. We got Peyton Manning. We're facing them, and they just keep marching down the field. So let's go grab some I'm, pizza. I'm gonna say something random that might be funny because let's be in good spirits while we're getting our ass kicked. That's the only way I can explain Fletcher Cox. He did not perform well. The Eagles did not perform well. He was not justified in mocking Peyton Manning. I think it was more just you know shooting the shit. That's Fletcher Cox. Uh, it's similar to to um, Brett Favre falling down under Mike Strahan. And Fletcher Cox is kind of like, hey, Peyton, what can I do to uh, 
getting on this Papa John's commercial. He's like, look, I'll give you a million dollars if you shout Papa John's after one of my audibles. (laughs) 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 So, okay, we got Dallas coming up uh, in just a few days. We are traveling down to Jerry's World. And this week, not unlike the previous four weeks, Kyle believes that we – he's a little worried. No, I'm not that worried this time. I mean, it's going to be a hostile environment, but that's about all they've got going for them. They're very middle of the pack as far as just about every stat goes. And there's a little bit of history that Jan would have pointed out to us if he were still alive with us. But uh, unfortunately, he has passed on, so he was not able to share this with us. I had to look this up myself. But, you know, back in 2005, the Indianapolis Colts, led by Peyton Manning, they were undefeated. They were 9-0. And they went and traveled to the Dallas Cowboys. I think they, it was an away game. And it was Tony Romo's first game, and nobody expected very much. And they uh, put a whooping on those 9-1 and one Indianapolis Colts, led by Peyton Manning. So he lost, he lost to an undrafted rookie quarterback. Um, which, thank God we don't play the Cleveland Browns this year. We might, we might kind of be in a similar similar <laughs> <laughs> was Romo a rookie that year? He was undrafted. I think it might have been his second or third year. It might have been his second. It might have been his second year. Uh, yeah, yeah, second year. I, I, that's what Jan's ghost would tell us if he were here. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Jan's ghost. <laughs> so one of the coolest things about Jerry's, Jerry's world to me isn't the giant, gigantic uh, television that sometimes punters hit. It's the fact that the visiting team has to walk through a bar to get to the state. That it's. It, I mean, it's 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 blocked off, but but you have. You know, plexiglass windows, bulletproof windows yeah. on both sides of it, but you got to walk through that. <laughs> bulletproof windows on both sides. <laughs> but you you got to get – that's what the team has to walk through in order to get to the field. So the opposing team has to walk through a Dallas Cowboys bar, which is at the stadium, in order to get to the field. And I just the, – the, 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 the invention that had to go through that or the – I don't know the word that I'm looking for, but how smart are you to make your opposing play? And I bet the, the locker room is probably pink. I bet the the way team <laughs> pink like urinals strip, stripper bar or something, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> that would be I, distracting. If the bar mm. patrons look anything like the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, I would be efficiently distracted before my game. Yeah, that would be that would have probably been smarter than just a bunch of fat guys drinking beer at the bar or whatever they're doing now, you know. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really see it. It's it's pretty cool. I've seen that before. They'll show them on uh, most notably like Sunday night football when they'll play a Sunday night game before that. And I, I always wondered about that too. What was the thinking or the thought process behind that? And the Broncos will be wearing their all blue uniforms. How do you guys feel about the all blue uniforms for that game? For any game, actually. When's the last time we wore them? Does anybody know? It was last season. I think we wore them twice, actually. I think we did, did we? win twice. I can't remember. San Diego. But, uh, just San Diego. It was only once. I have a blue Peyton Manning jersey just because that's what he wore in training camp, and I was there for training camp in Denver. So I just related to Peyton Manning wearing blue. I knew he was going to be in orange all year, but I just wanted the blue for the training camp thing. And it's become my favorite jersey. The Broncos are undefeated kind of trending holiday style in the regular season when I wear that jersey. I wore it in the playoff game and they lost. I was very disappointed by my jersey that day. But uh, there's they, something like 15 and 0 now. Uh, when I'm that I like the all blue. I, I like the look. I think it's a it, it's a great look. I, I always wish they would they would do something sort of different with the with the pants. I it would be cool to see them 
at some point have some sort of white top with orange pants, you know, all like the sixties. That be yeah, wouldn't that be a trip? Like the creamsicles. Uh, right. <laughs> so but I like the I like the blue. It's you know, it'll be a good look. And I think Dallas their their home is always white, right? The the white jerseys yeah. in Dallas. Yeah. Is it all blue? Are they wearing blue tops and, bo- and bottoms? Blue, yeah. blue, blue. Yeah, Dallas wears these. Dallas has these. Um, no, Broncos, all, I mean. Yeah, no, but Dallas has these alt jerseys that they wear only for special occasions. So I guess uh, I guess at uh, 225, I'm not, not even sure what time they're playing on Sunday, but whatever, this is a special occasion being that it's Peyton Manning coming. So they have these, like, stars that they don't normally have and just a, a Dallas Cowboy thing. But, yeah, the Broncos are in all blue um, for Sunday. I love the all blue look. I mean, when we were blue with the white pants, I always loved it when they busted out the blue pants too. It's, it just looked pretty cool. I, I, I feel like we're in the minority as fans of like a lot of fans for, for whatever reason, hate the blue on blue look. They Mike, do? What's your take? What's your take on the blue on blue? I, I've always liked, I've always liked it. It's a, uh, it's a great look. I think it makes uh, for a little bit more fierce looking team. Hell, I don't know. I mean, I've always enjoyed it. I think, Somebody should probably go back and uh, maybe I will go back and do research and see how we've done in those uniforms. So, And Jan agrees too. I just talked to the ghost of Jan. That's four out of four Broncos fans <laughs> who like the blue on blue. So. Yeah, normally we bust them out. So let's talk about – okay, so we are um, – How disappointed are you guys that this isn't the Thanksgiving game? That was just ridiculous that this is not the Cowboys Thanksgiving game. I don't want to watch the Broncos on Thanksgiving. I want to eat my ass I off do. and be with my family. Do you? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's... I want to watch. I want to watch like the Lions lose on Thanksgiving. That's what I want to watch. <laughs> and then I want to really want to watch the Broncos play. Last time the last time the the Cowboys and Broncos got together on Thanksgiving, I think it was pretty favorable for the for the Denver Broncos. Right? That was the Ron Dane. That was the Ron Dane. Yeah. Ron Dane game. That was eight years ago. Yeah. Like eighty-seven yard. Last minute touchdown. I was introducing my uh, a bunch of people who didn't speak English as a first language to to NFL to NFL football, and everyone got super excited about it because everyone understood what was happening. There's just a bunch of people screaming. That was a football sick play. Americano, <laughs> right? It, it was a sick play. The way it was run, too. The reason why it was so wide open is they, they faked. Uh, they had faked the the halfback lead to the right side, and then they pitched it to Dane right on the backside, and it just he was wide open. The Cowboys bit on the front side pursuit, and he was just wide open. I mean, Ron Dane's not going to outrun anybody. Let's you know be realistic there. And Yan, Yan Wang, who was a huge Ryan Leaf fan, uh, probably remembers that, or probably remembered that game the most because Ryan Leaf happened to be the Cowboy uh, quarterback that game. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling that. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, Jan just loved Ryan Leaf, and he still thinks that the Colts should have taken him over Peyton Manning. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I'm, maybe that's why Jan is dead. <laughs> <laughs> With that opinion, I'm not sure you deserve to live. Oh. So this Thanksgiving, okay. So let's talk about. Um, that, that was that was an interesting point, real quick, that I never put together. The last two Broncos Cowboys games have both been decided by huge plays, like the very last play of regulation. Brandon Marshall had that huge play uh, to give the Broncos yeah. the edge at the end of the game last time, and then Ron Dane. I didn't put that together. I wonder if this game would come to a similar finish. Wow, that would be really impressive if this game came down to like a like a, a Bubba Caldwell 
<laughs> 69 yards. Oh, no. What about CJ? We got CJ um, CJ Anderson. Anderson yeah. yeah, CJ Anderson comes in out of nowhere and one play at the last minute because everyone's been disqualified. I don't know why it would cause all three running backs to be out of the game, but CJ Anderson's our last hope and just first run from scrimmage. 13 I mean, seconds left. Here's a question about that. Now that you bring up, you know, what if it comes to one play? I mean, do any of you guys, uh, are you guys itching to see a, a closely contested Bronco game at all? I want to see the Broncos lose at some point this season. I want to see the oh. Broncos have a quality loss. Um, those are the words of um, Terrell Davis, a quality loss to end the season. Because when you're winning, your mistakes and the things that you can improve upon are masked. You recognize them. You say, oh, we could have been better, but we won, so it's okay. And I think that's what happened to the Broncos last year. I really do. Winning 11 straight regular season games, it cost them. And if they had lost one of those late games, maybe they would have tidied things up a little bit better. I want the Broncos to lose at some point this season because I want Super Bowls. Go ahead, Mike. You take it. I I don't know, man. I'm like Heisenberg. I'm in the empire business. I want us to go 19-0. and I want us to be the greatest <laughs> team in history, you know. I... Yeah. I'm not a, as fearful of other – I understand where the fear comes from after they saw the Patriots do it, but I am not as fearful as other folks when it comes to going undefeated. I, I don't know if we will. I think the three-game stretch where we have uh, Kansas City and then we go to New England and then back to Kansas City in December yeah. in Arrowhead, I think that's going to be a hell of a stretch. But you know, if we, if we were to go undefeated, I wouldn't be afraid come playoff time. I mean, why not? Why not be – the best team in history. And we as fans, we as fans and, and the Broncos as a staff aren't going to get to see legitimately what Brock Osweiler is made out of unless we're, you know, way ahead. And, and let's, let's say week 15 comes around. The Broncos are, are what 14 and 0 at that point. And you probably do sit Peyton Manning past the first quarter and you got Brock Osweiler for three quarters there. And then another four quarters. And, and of course, you know, with the, with the game on the line, um, you're gonna get Brock Osweiler with with the with the record on the line. You're gonna get the best you can out of Brock Osweiler, and he's gonna have all that pressure. And not only that, he's gonna be playing the Texans in in week uh, 16, week 17. I can't remember who their final game is. Raiders. 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 There you go. Raiders. <laughs> so <laughs> we're not so losing that. to the Raiders even with Brock. <laughs> right. So you got the, both of those, both of those, and and I don't know if you guys remember it. I think it was 2011. The Colts were 14 and 0. Um, and they, and uh, Jim Caldwell pulled um, pulled Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning was just heated. That guy was pissed. He did not want to be out of the game. And the Colts, you know, went on to lose that game, and I believe the next game. And then they lost in the playoffs because at that point Peyton Manning had been off for four weeks. Because those aren't quality losses. That's not what I mean. When I say a quality loss, I mean a loss where Peyton Manning is playing for four quarters and it's an up and down game. I want the Broncos to – if they're undefeated up to that point, I want them to either lose in New England or lose in Kansas City or both. I don't care because when you look at the way the Broncos won the Super Bowls the previous years, they won the Super Bowls with regular season losses late in the year. Um, so you bring up you bring up Kansas City. Who are you more scared of? Are you scared of the Kansas City Chiefs or the San Diego Chargers? Well, within the division right now, the Chiefs are 4-0. and they look, they look stout, but – I was reading the stats and watching the film on this Chargers-Cowboys game, mostly to try and scout the Cowboys, but 
it was very interesting to see how the Chargers attacked the Cowboys. They kept the ball away from them for the entire second half. The Cowboys had a couple of three and outs and they couldn't get anything going. And the Chargers just held onto the ball. They had nice long drives. They kept Tony Romo off the field. Um, Phillip Rivers had 400 yards passing. They had 500 yards of offense. Um, I think the Chargers are starting to find a little bit of a rhythm. And they have the formula that could beat the Broncos, perhaps better than the Chiefs do, which is keeping Peyton Manning on the sideline. I... You know, I go, I look at the strengths of both teams right now, and I'd have to say undoubtedly the strength of the Chargers is the play of Philip Rivers. I mean, he's the second-rated passer in the league right now, right behind Peyton Manning. He's got 11 touchdown passes, that's second in the league. I am more worried about the strength of the Chiefs because it directly comes into opposition with what Peyton Manning does and what our offense can do. I think... They are, they are a defense that can man up better than in probably any other team on an, on the outside. Our receivers on the outside. They're a team that can bring pressure from the edge. I think Dontari Popo's having a better year. He's going to bring some of that pressure from the middle. And, you know, Manny's played great. I don't have any complaints about Manny whatsoever. But Popo is a strong, big, big man. And he's he is going to get some pressures that game. You know, it's... Just if they can cause Peyton into some mistakes, that's the great equalizer. You know, the flip coin, the flip side of that, even with mistakes, I really don't see the Chiefs offense really doing anything against our defense. I mean, Castle is captain check down, nothing Smith. more. As of last week, he had 18 passes that went 10 yards or more down the field. They do not stretch vertically. I think if you take that, if you – do what the Broncos do. We move well sideline to sideline. We t- we've tackled well this season. Yeah, you minimize that yards after the catch. You're going to really limit a lot of what the Chiefs can do with that West Coast offense. You know, week after week, the Broncos face you know one of the better running backs in in the NFL, and, and you know shutting down LaShawn McCoy last week. It doesn't get any better than not not this year. Jamal Charles is going to be you know similar strength, but. Um, we're not playing him until he's got you know 12, 13 weeks of, of, of wear and, and tear on his tires. I don't know that a team's going to be able to compete with us, um, you know, on the running in the running game. But I agree with you as far as their strengths matching up against our strengths. Kansas City's returning 11 Pro Bowl players from last season, and a, a large amount of those guys are on um, defense. You mentioned you mentioned Matt Castle. I know you. They had 11 Pro Bowlers last year. They yeah, had like six. She said like – I wish Jan was here. He could tell us. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they didn't have 11. That's half their team. I think they had like, like six, which was a lot. I think they had um, – well, whatever. They have uh, – great. They might have had six on defense. Tony Reale will be here to fact check for us later just like he does on I, – I mean that, that Chiefs offense scored like three touchdowns. I think if their defense had like you know six defenders in the purple, I don't see how they get five on offense. I mean he's going on the offense. Maybe one of their uh, – couple of their linemen. Googling it. Continue podcast. You got Jamal Charles. You got Jamal Charles. You got Dwayne Bowe. You got uh... – <laughs> They said oh, six on. players. Brandon they Albert. Six players. I told you. Just like I said, six. six. Kyle, not a lot. Right. Six. Yes. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we got whatever we got. We got um, you know, Brandon Flowers is is not a not one of the 
best corners in the league, but he's top ten. He could he's he could handle his I don't know, he can't even handle this it's hard to figure out a team that can handle our receivers. Short of an injury. And even, you know, Bubba Caldwell is not a bad receiver. If if he had to replace someone, I wouldn't be scared. I wouldn't be like nervous about who um you know, I'll we'll be able to triple cover Wes Welker and Eric Decker gets double covered. Like, you just can't cover this team. <laughs> you can't. There, there's no answer to covering this team. Your only hope in stopping the Broncos is confusing Peyton Manning, and good luck with that. Turnovers. So we got so to talk about something that I'm sure I know um, makes both of you very sad, and that's the finale of Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad break. <laughs> Breaking Bad break. So we got... Um, we have a series finale, which was... Wait, wait, wait. We've we got, we got to segue into it properly. If you're listening to the Broncos portion of the MHR Radio podcast, at this point, we're going to be talking about the saga of Walter White reaching its conclusion. If you have not watched Breaking Bad, please dismiss yourselves now, because spoilers, just like Broncos touchdowns, are imminent. <laughs> so one thing I want to talk about real quick... Um, which isn't specific to Breaking Bad necessarily, but the the NFL's Breaking Bad motif was kind of I don't know what how many right. residuals how many residuals do we need, but everything was Breaking Bad. It, what's his name uh-huh. made a Breaking Bad uh, reference on um, I don't, was it Sunday Night Football or Monday Night Football? I think pretty sure it was Monday Night Football. Like Bob Costas made a Sunday uh, Breaking Bad reference, and. Um, all, all, all NFL fantasy live all week was breaking bad references. And, um, I don't know. I think they had a show. (laughs) They had a show. They had a show on NFL.com. They filmed something and it was breaking. It was along the the theme along with breaking Bad. So I agree with you, man. They were tapping into that audience for sure. You, uh, Kyle needs some residuals on that one. I think, <laughs> I think I was too excited for Breaking Bad itself to care what NFL.com was doing about Breaking Bad. So the episode was titled um, Felina. Felina. Felina, which I don't know if some of you may have seen the the meme circulating around, but they broke it. I Felina. tweeted it. It blew my mind. Yeah, Felina broken down. Fe is iron. Li lithium. Na sodium. So we got you know iron blood. Lithium is drugs. We could go meth. Uh, sodium. Tears. tears, tears, salty tears, blood, meth, and tears. Breaking <laughs> so bad, clever. That was great. Some dude, some poor guy who was in the writers' room in season one was like, "We should name episode three Felina," and then he got fired. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> "We'll use that one for the final episode." <laughs> so some poor guy who now works on like How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like a poor guy. Actually, that sounds like a pretty rich guy if he goes from Breaking Bad to that show. Hey, but, but what did you guys think of the final episode? Mike, I know you're a big Breaking Bad fan too. The fans have heard Ian and me go back and forth about this amazing show all season long, all MHR radio season long. Uh, what was your take on the finale? It was uh, it was beautiful, fantastic. It's exactly the way – I wanted to see that character, Walter White. Well, I can't really say Walter White. I, I wanted to see Heisenberg go out like the boss he was, and that's completely what happened. It was just from start to finish, they crammed so much into that 75 minutes or whatever it was. And we, and we start – the way it started with that scene with Elliot and Gretchen was just – 
I mean, it had me fooled. I had no idea it was going to happen the way it went down. I, yep. I figured, yeah, Waltz Heisenberg's there to settle some scores, and there's going to be some spilt rich blood there, you know. I love that too. The, the episode was predictable in a lot of ways. Like, I mean, it just kind of was. I mean, we, we all expected Walter White to meet his ultimate fate, and he did. And we expected that for a long time. And I thought Jesse would live, and a lot of people did too. And I thought they would face each other. I thought Walt and Skyler would confront each other. I thought all these things would happen. And I wanted to be surprised. That one really did surprise me. I, well, Walter White died. <laughs> Spoiler. But Walter White won. He found a way to get his children his money and they won't know that he gave it to them he they won't accept it if they ever knew that walter white had anything to do with it he found a way to make everything he did worth it and he died but he won and that's that shows that he is smarter than me those writers and that character they're smarter than me it's pretty good it was incredibly it was orchestrated incredibly well just the way everything worked out i i I got to the point during the episode where i forgot about the machine gun and then, you know, when you think, like, he's going to die like this, this is how he's going to die. And then all of a sudden, it's just, like, click, click. <laughs> you forgot about the machine gun? Really? Well, I mean, I mean for that, in that episode, yeah, because I was, like, he, when I was assuming that he was going to die, I I had no idea about the, I, I kept thinking the car was going to, like, explode. I didn't know what was going to happen. Like, he was going to blow up everybody. I wasn't sure exactly what was going to happen. And then, I guess I should have put two and two together when he's in the desert putting the, rigging the, uh, the trunk key to the to the clicker, but I had it was pr- it was pretty well painted to me. I don't know about you, Mike. I mean, maybe did you no, see that? It, oh, definitely. And I mean, the kicker if if you don't know by the desert scene when he goes in and he's parking his car, and the Nazi guys tell him no, no, park there, and Walt kind of parks it along their clubhouse however he wants, so it'll be perfect to shoot in. I mean. If you don't know by then, it's, it's you're not going to know until they start shooting. But even knowing it was still high tension, you knew Walt needed those keys. You saw him looking for those keys because oh. that was the trigger mechanism. And when they started pulling him away and he was desperate to just egg Jack on, I was on the edge of my seat. This show – it's amazing that this show still had me on the edge of my seat 62 episodes in, however many episodes it was. Um, it this is the greatest television show of all time. That's that's my take. What, is this number one for you guys? Number one for me? I, you know, I, it's pretty damn well up there. I, I was a big Sopranos fan, and you know, I haven't gotten in. I haven't gotten into uh, Game of Thrones quite yet. I've heard that's really good by a lot of different people. Ian said it's a really great show. So I'll, I, I won't cry. I'll, I'll say it, it's number one to me at the moment. And I think, you know, with my own experience, it's amazing to me that I started watching this show during the face-off episode when he blows up Gus Fring. That was my very first episode of Breaking Bad. From there, it took me all of two or three weeks to go back and watch every episode from season one. So I was I was hooked from that point, you know, and to to know what's going on, and then you go back and just be able to watch all that stuff and catch up to it and it's it's one of the greatest it's just extremely well written and i i i put it this way i'm still rooting for a bastard like heisenberg at the end i mean how what kind of show makes you invest in such a bad guy that's turned so bad yeah and he's any i mean his his full rotation was that he turned he ultimately was a good guy again 
sort of as good as as good as you know as good as could be done with the amount of damage that he's created but he's you know made up for for not existing he goes back he has to see skylar one more time the poison ends up not being for her um i don't know i, I it was did you think was, the poison was, was going to be for her? i'm sorry man did you did you think this poison was going to be for Skylar? I think at one point we, we kind of brought that up, Kyle and I. We, were, we weren't really sure who it was for. We didn't know. Uh, Kyle, Kyle was very obsessed with, like, the, the machine gun, um, who it was for. Because <laughs> <laughs> we knew it was going to go. It was We knew it was for someone because of the, the uh, fast flash forward, but we weren't sure exactly how. I feel like I got a lot of things right this season. You go back to before episode, <laughs> the first episode of this half season. I said a lot of things that turned out to be pretty much right, which was the showdown between Walt and Hank is not going to be the series real finale. That's going to conclude by like mid to late season. And it concluded episode five when Hank died. Um, and I thought that the showdown between Walt and Jesse would be the show's final moment. It didn't work out the way I thought. It was really between Jack, but um, it was good nonetheless. Much like um – Peyton Manning's missing blue practice jersey during training camp. The uh, Breaking Bad final script went missing at some point during the shooting of the final season. I think I have wow. the connection. I think I just cracked the case. <laughs> it's, it's, Kyle has it all the, all along. Huh? I hope I didn't get Kyle indicted. I'm sorry about that, buddy. <laughs> just show, that just goes to show you I don't know how to market the most highly valued items in the world. <laughs> I felt like I don't, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to monetize these things. I have these extremely desired things from just about everyone, and I don't know how to make any money off of them. I just kept them a secret the whole time until Ian ruined it for me just now. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us on um, this is episode ten. What um, are you guys going to do with your lives now with no Breaking Bad? Oh my God, there's so many. There's there's Homeland. You no seen Homeland. You I've seen, seen like five episodes of it. It's okay. Did you start at the beginning? Yeah. You didn't okay. finish it. If you got five, if you got five episodes into the first season, then you did not watch enough. Okay. You can't well, watch random episodes. You gotta watch. Start at start at episode six and go forward. I am right. <laughs> but still, what am I gonna do with my life? I, you're still not answering the question. You got Homeland. You got. Have you ever seen Dexter? Yes, I actually did like Dexter. I got like three seasons into that, and then Netflix dropped it. That's as far as I got. That's good. Um, even just shows that came out this weekend. Uh, Masters of Sex is really good. Um, the new HBO comedy is really, really funny. We got oh, there's just so many good shows coming back on or coming to television, coming back on television. Um, what's his name? I think I think what's the next Breaking Bad show? Not the next Breaking Bad show, but the, the Better Call Saul. Not Better Call Saul. <laughs> well, Better Call Saul will be entertaining as well, but the creative people from Breaking Bad I think have signed on to do something. I did not yeah. hear this. Vince Gilligan is doing something. I know Vince Gilligan, but it's like the like Homeland loses six of its writers every season. They're down to like four writers. And I think Breaking Bad something similar is happening. I guess I'll have that for you guys next next week on the on the podcast. I don't know what well, we're going to talk about. <laughs> when it comes to high quality television, we your hosts of MHR Radio highly recommend watching Peyton Manning every Sunday. You will be entertained, <laughs> and it is explosive, just as explosive oh. as Breaking Bad. Okay, so so real quick, I'm, I'm just gonna say this right before we wrap up. Um, it it was um, Grantland had uh, evil Peyton. Do you know about this one? Did you guys read this article? No, I so, didn't check that out. So this is like evil Peyton is is this season, and if you even look at his headshot that they show up that they throw up during you know when they're doing announce uh, um, opening lineups. 
the headshot of, of Peyton Manning, he looks evil. He looks mad. And he's playing mad. This is like Peyton Manning's Heisenberg season. He's just going crazy and he's going bonkers. So he came back as like – They a, copied me. <laughs> I mapped Peyton Manning to Heisenberger last week. He – he um, yeah, almost – yeah, it was the exact same thing. He's coming back. He's, he's, he's been repaired. He's like, he's like a Frankenstein. But he's he's the bizarro version of Peyton Manning because he's even better than he was before, and he's even meaner and he throws even more touchdowns and and when people drop them he leaves notes in their locker. <laughs> Peyton Manning is the one who notes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, guys. So we'll see you uh, uh, next Wednesday, and by then the Broncos will be hopefully five and zero, and we'll be able to figure out exactly what the Vegas line is. But uh, have a great week until then. Thanks for joining Michael us. Michael Mike, thanks for coming on. It was fun.